Welcome friends to episode 75 of the T21 Mom podcast. My name is Mary and I'll be your host. And as always, my good friend and co-host Ron is here with us today. Hey, Ron. Hey, Mary. It's been a while since we chatted. Mm-hmm. By the way, mm-hmm. I need I need a I need a dozen uh, chocolate chip cookies. You just say when. And uh, I'll make sure I drop some money into the Ainsley's army. Um, the Ainsley's army uh, uh, run up for, run down, up for syndrome. down syndrome. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Fantastic. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Okay. Um, so today's topic is very topical. Our guest is very topical. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah. So um, why don't you give us a quick throw and then we'll, we'll go and get right into it. Well, it's with my friend Daria and I'm not going to attempt her last name right now, <laughs> but she is from Ukraine and she's now living in Canada with her husband and her daughter Mia. And obviously we're all aware of what's going on in Ukraine right now, but we talk a lot about what it's like to live in Ukraine with a child with special needs. And at times it was really heartbreaking to hear what she had to say. Okay, let's go. Okay. Today on the T21 Mom podcast, we are once again going international. Well, sort of. I'm talking with Daria Kolomietz, who is from Ukraine, but moved to Canada in mid-2019 with her husband and daughter, Mia. Welcome, Daria. Thank you, Mary. Thank you for having me here. Oh, my pleasure. pleasure. Yeah, no, I'm excited to talk with you today because I, I think you have a really interesting story and especially in light of everything that's going on in the world right now, I think people would be very interested to hear uh, your your story. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, I think you have like a really interesting story with, especially with, you know, the tragedy that's going on in your home country, but in Ukraine, obviously, but first, can you tell us a little bit about you and your family? Yeah, sure. So we immigrated to Canada. That was mid-August. 2019 Mm -hmm. that was my family my daughter Mia who is now seven and back then she was four Mm -hmm. and I and uh, that's just three of us here (laughs) all of our extended family are back in Ukraine so brothers sisters mothers friends all of of them are there how and how are they doing oh man um you know yeah about the war and it's heartbroken to see that mm-hmm. and to realize that you can hardly help, of course, like volunteering and transferring money and supporting um, our military soldiers and all of that and uh, humanitarian missions. But you still feel like uh, you're helpless mm-hmm. because cities are suffering from ongoing airstrikes by Russians. Mm-hmm. Um, and aircrafts and both aircrafts and missiles so my mom has been sleeping in the corridor for two months now oh wow yeah because she she cannot go to the bomb shelter because my dad is completely paralyzed oh no okay because because of stroke yeah so she cannot leave him behind Mm -hmm. so that's why that's her only opportunity like to stay in the corridor and so where in Ukraine are they? 
uh, they are in Kiev. That's where I'm from. It's the capital of Ukraine. The capital, okay. Um, and my in-laws, the center part of Ukraine. So it's relatively quiet there. I mean, there are no like um, military actions nearby, but like airstrikes can come from nowhere, any place, mm-hmm. um, any territory of Ukraine right now. So there is no, no one is safe there at the moment. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh. Oh, I can't imagine, you know, obviously we're all seeing this unfold on the news and so on. And I really appreciate you taking your time today to share your story with us because like just listening to you say that is, it's really heartbreaking and I can't even imagine, you know, Um, being across the world. And like you said, you feel kind of helpless and yeah not the best feeling yeah so my morning begins every because of the time difference Mm -hmm. so now it's night in ukraine and uh, vice versa so the first uh thing i do in the morning that's not going to the washroom when it's like that i text my mom are you okay and usually i'm still alive the answer is like that oh my gosh okay well we are all you know praying for you guys in ukraine thank you so much yeah we're so you know, thankful for the support of the world and for all the prayers because Ukraine now needs a lot of prayers. She's, um, yeah, she's fighting a lot more. pure evil. Yeah. Yes, yes, I agree. Okay, so obviously everyone's familiar with Ukraine right now, but I'm curious what it's like to have a child with Down syndrome or even just a disability there. And can you share a little bit about that? Like, did you have a prenatal? or birth diagnosis and, and how's Mia's heart? Yeah, so prenatally no diagnosis was made, even though I undergo, I did undergo all necessary blood tests and ultrasound screening. So when Mia was born, that was a surprise for mm-hmm. us. And uh, answering the question, how is it to have a child with disability in Ukraine? It is hard. Mm-hmm. Um, because society is not that accepting as here, mm-hmm. and uh, and like changes just started being implemented like five years ago when Inclusion Act was passed. Mm-hmm. So, like from government point of view, there's some changes started, but mostly parents are the main advocates for kids. Here, like I find government support like much uh, more advanced than uh, in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's kind of what I thought as well. So you had a birth diagnosis. So how how was that for you? Like, I mean, I hear stories all the time from people when they get their diagnosis, regardless if it's prenatal, like myself, or birth. Especially a birth diagnosis, I I feel like because you're not expecting it, you're expecting some something different and then you you find out that your child has an extra chromosome and you know you're in a country like you said that doesn't really embrace uh disabilities as much as maybe some western countries do how was that for you i can't imagine what that would be like yeah our story began in in the word where mia was born and Mm -hmm. like the attitude we saw from medical stuff was immediately like from what i imagined (laughs) previously Mm -hmm. like 
when they looked at me uh, and the way they talked to us mm -hmm. was really weird. I would say that, um, so in our case, the stigma of having not normal child mm -hmm. was induced to us within the first hour of Mia being born. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so attending and neonatologist gave disrespect disrespectful remark to me and my husband which implied that we should have known about me diagnosis beforehand and should have aborted the child on this basis and this was in an hour of you having oh her. yeah i was <laughs> yes i was like still um recovering bad yes <laughs> they haven't even finished my placenta it was being born at that time so it's like just uh I was not really, um, I didn't really embrace, realize what she was talking about. Mm -hmm, of course. Yeah. But, but my husband remembers it all very clearly, what she said. Oh. And like later, the attendant pediatrician was also implying and suggesting that it would be okay uh, to abandon Mia mm -hmm. uh, because, quote unquote, the baby looks like a downy. And did they actually say downy? Like, yes, like... yes, that's exactly the words they, they said they used. Yeah. Wow. And because what, how, how is Down syndrome or trisomy 21, which is really the medical term? Yes. Like, how is it used in Ukrainian language? Like, do you say Down, down syndrome or? Yes, we say the, uh, kids with Down syndrome, or now it's like more preferred like kids with trisomy 21 mm -hmm. and okay. uh parents advocating for this um diagnosis and to name it like that mm -hmm. uh but also like if we're talking about medical stuff and doctors i would say who are like soviet union background mm -hmm. they call it like down downies down kids down babies Oh my gosh. Uh, yes. <gasps> and all this like it's not downs, downs baby, it's my baby. Yeah. So your baby. Uh, yes. The possessive oh. case is not there. And <laughs> it was it was so heartbreaking to hear that. That's oh my gosh. It that is just so Hor like what a horrible birth experience for you oh yeah oh man you yeah know, like I, I yeah i still remember every detail of that every detail and i remember the like the feeling of being lost mm -hmm. uh because like i okay honestly speaking didn't know about kids me as my first child mm -hmm. in general and now i've been told that oh she's not like a usual like normal kid she's not normal kid so she's not normal. She's not normal. It was like, what does it mean? Why? Why is she not normal? Wow, wow, that is like really just so heartbreaking to hear. And here they're telling you, you can it's okay to just abandon her, and you're thinking, oh, this yeah. is That's... my baby. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> I, I'm so sorry that that had to happen to you. And yeah, you know, you and I, I've heard of terrible birth diagnoses. I've also mm -hmm. heard of great experiences where, uh, you know, the pediatrician, you know, 
who's giving the diagnosis is obviously educated more about down syndrome and how to give a diagnosis, but Mm -hmm. we're still, even here, we're still a long way from that, but I don't, I hope that your experience wouldn't be what people here in Canada or even the States would experience, but I don't know, maybe some listeners can share. I, I, I hope not. Cause that's, that's oh, yeah, terrible. I, yeah, I know. I just in Ukraine, my story was not the worst. I mean, um, <laughs> from what other like moms of kids with Down syndrome were telling me, like in sharing in the group, Ukrainian group of mm-hmm. parents uh, who have kids with Down syndrome, that like uh, some just were so horrifying. Mm-hmm. Like um, they took kids immediately away to ICU unit without any explanations. Mm-hmm. And then kind of ex- expected that parents would uh, abandon them and refuse. And some of them were just directly told, you know, that you didn't have to take it back home to take it. It. Not yet. Oh. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Unbelievable. And and how how is Mia's heart? Because, you know, as I'm sure you know half of our kids oh yeah that's actually uh that's actually was my biggest concern since she was born mm-hmm. because it was a pediatrician uh she heard some noise in her heart mm-hmm. and we were sent to have ultrasound on the sixth day i believe when mia from her birth so she was only six days uh, old when uh, she was diagnosed with um ventricular septal defect vsd so, okay Yes, oh, BSD, wow. yes. Yeah. So what does that mean in Ukraine then? Like here, you know, in Canada and the States, and that's really all I can speak for because that's what I'm familiar with. But mm-hmm. generally our kiddos' heart conditions are generally, you know, easy. I use that word lightly, but, you know, it's rep- they're repairable and we have – the surgeons here who have that knowledge and expertise mm-hmm. to do that mm-hmm. do they have that in ukraine or do yes, they even want like, to do those surgeries uh, yes that's that's surprisingly from one point of view but like uh heart center uh mm-hmm. child heart center in ukraine is really really powerful um medical establishment it's Wonderful. like um children hospital here in bc okay mm-hmm. so they're like the best professionals are working there mm-hmm. and the best uh, doctors who do diagnostics and all of that so when we were told that mia has vsd um but it was relatively small it was like mm-hmm. two millimeters okay so they were monitoring her closely for two years mm-hmm. and while the heart was growing um the hole was not so we were told that we just need to keep an eye on it but mm-hmm. mia doesn't require any surgery oh that's, that's wonderful we were very, yeah very thankful for thanks god for that so because uh i was so crashed that time and like mm-hmm. <laughs> it was not the best time of my life and um if mia needed surgery i wouldn't like if i could make it at all yeah, I can't imagine like, you know, and I did a, an episode with a friend of mine, Frank Bath, uh, their daughter, Ellie, 
who you may have met at our play group, who he talked about the heart surgery, because I can't imagine what it's like to hand over your child for such life-saving surgery. And generally they're so young yeah. when, when you do that. But I, mm -hmm. that's great to hear that Mia's doing well in that way and that she didn't require surgery. Because... Yes, so we were like, yeah, I was like one of the few probably that, uh, she, that she didn't require surgery because most of the kids that we knew back in Ukraine um, needed to undergo the surgery. Okay, wow. So did you see, were like, <laughs> I mean, I guess before I had Ainsley, I would see people in the community with Down syndrome. I mean, now I seem to see them everywhere because I think I'm just more aware. But did mm -hmm. you, like, after you had Mia or even before, like, would you see people with Down syndrome at all out and about? Or did you know of any other families who had a child with Down syndrome? Uh, no, before Mia was born, like, I just was aware of that kind of diagnosis mm -hmm. that like but i didn't really know a lot about uh people with uh, down syndrome mm -hmm. like what they can do what they cannot do and it was just general impression and like this uh picture in my mind that mm -hmm. they different mm -hmm. and some kind of like disabled yes that's what i thought back then mm -hmm. and that's it but I didn't know any like particular details or uh, kind of supports uh, that is that they require or anything like that. Yeah, I didn't either. And yeah. would you see them out and about in the community at all, or no? No, we saw some people. Mm -hmm. Like now, I understand that yeah. those were people with Down syndrome because of uh, the physiognomy. But like back then, I didn't realize it. Mm -hmm. and um it's usually like they're really quiet and i mean they didn't look like they were happy you know mm -hmm. like like wearing some shabby clothes and mm -hmm. yeah yeah their speech was uh not understandable like it was hard to get what they were talking about so mm -hmm. yeah yeah i I totally hear that. Yes, I, I understand exactly what you're mm -hmm. saying. So here you've had this beautiful baby and the whole birth experience wasn't very beautiful. Yeah. Like, were there supports available to you? Like, you know, we have early intervention here, but do they have that mm -hmm. in Ukraine? Like, did someone no. hook you up or like, mm -hmm. were you on your own to try to find services and therapies? Like, how does it work there? Yeah, unfortunately, there is no like government support, which looks like early intervention. Mm -hmm. So all the support that's available in terms of rehabilitation and um, all the specialists that are available, they are private mostly. Mm -hmm. So, um, just two months after Mia was born, we got the official diagnosis that mm -hmm. she has Down syndrome. And I also insisted on having this blood test mm -hmm. because our pediatrician just aired that she's downy, but <sighs> nothing else was made. I mean, yeah. we were not referred to anywhere. It's like, okay, so now what? What's our next step? What shall we do? Nobody said it to us. Just, it's your problem now. Oh, okay, you want to take your kid uh, back home, okay? Okay, do that. 
go ahead. But like, what's next? We didn't know what to do. So we, <sighs> yes, that's, I just, yeah trying to recall all that that's sometimes horrifying so mm-hmm. we started to seeking like private support um googling a lot i was spending mm-hmm. so much time on like online and find trying to find organizations and mm-hmm. like specialists who could help me uh, and we found one that mm-hmm. uh, was a pioneering organizations called uh, ukraine down syndrome organization mm-hmm. they are non-profit and established by parents uh, kids with down syndrome so that's the place where we first get help mm-hmm. and support and directions and like resources to where to go to and videos that we need to watch and there was like group for parents and for like Pfizer for kids Mia was five months old mm-hmm. then so and we were so thankful that there is such an organization who who was absolutely supportive and also provided us lots tons of information for like parents of new parents of mm-hmm. kids with down syndrome who didn't know anything about it yeah and was that in kiev yes it was in kiev but it was on the left bank i left mm-hmm. on the right bank so okay. it was approximately one hour trip <laughs> okay one, one, a little far one, but yes yeah but like still we were like very thankful that uh, mm-hmm. this kind of services are available and as there are people who know what to do with kids yeah at early age and later so that we can find support there okay that's wonderful i'm glad that there's something like that for parents like yourself in ukraine so you're obviously able to get some physio and some ot and and speech through them okay that's that's kind of different in ukraine okay Uh, so we don't have um OT. There is no okay. occupational therapist in Ukraine. So, oh wow. Yeah. So I learned this um, kind of specialist exists when we moved to Canada. <laughs> so I was trying to figure out what they were like, what they were doing, and what like their job implies. In um, so there is physio, physiotherapist, of course. That mm-hmm. was our main specialist who worked with me for the first two years of her life when she started like until she started walking mm-hmm. and uh oh man how to translate that uh like special education teacher mm-hmm. we called it correction teacher mm-hmm. it's something like a mixture of, of ot and slp okay mm-hmm. close to that and we also have uh slp speech language pathologist yeah okay wonderful okay well, I'm glad that you were able to access some services, like, but it's challenging. Like you said, there isn't really a lot of government yes. support like there oh, is here. Yes, and... definitely. Um, like all, almost like any and all supports available to us was like in Ukraine, it's private, purely private and mm-hmm. volunteer based, mostly of that. And so you're starting to get things in place for me at and so this organization in ukraine like so were you able to meet some other families with children with down syndrome kind of like our upside down play group which i hope is going to resume soon (laughs) yes actually yes that was uh just a month after we arrived to canada we were Mm -hmm. lucky to find you guys and that's uh, where 
uh, we met you, Mary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we were thankful yeah. for that. And other parents with, of kids with Down syndrome. So, like a lot of because we were new, we didn't know what to do in the country, like how mm-hmm. it it worked here, and like what we should have done, and blah blah blah, all of that. So, that's where I found a lot of uh, useful information, mm-hmm. like what's our next step. And but what when you were in are. Ukraine, were you able to connect with other families with kids with Down oh, syndrome? Oh yes, for sure. Like uh, yes, in this organization, Down syndrome Ukraine organization, they uh, were doing many like workshops and seminars and parents meetings. Oh, so, wonderful! And we were, and we were also like attending. Mir was attending something like group um, mm-hmm. lessons for kids with uh, Down syndrome since she was two. Oh wow! Yes, she was two. Yeah, so I have this beautiful pictures like six eight of them kids sitting at the table and doing this like nice fine motor activities yeah oh that's awesome <laughs> it was so beautiful yeah oh man we are so thankful for for, for for all the specialists who work with kids and all the support and it was mostly for free that's great we, yes like we paid just some small amount of money just and mostly it was donations oh so, wow like if you yeah if you don't like really poor and have any money cannot um like uh, cannot afford to pay for services uh, you still can get some support yeah oh wonderful and i know we've touched on a little bit and you know and i don't want to sound ignorant here but forgive me like I know in me- today in many cultures, you know, people with disabilities are not accepted or embraced. And I mean, even here in Canada, I, I find it's often a struggle for inclusion. Can you talk a little bit about what life was like for you and Mia in Ukraine? Like, how is it different from, you know, being in Canada? I, I mean, I know there was a lack of government support and, you know, you didn't readily see people with disabilities i think in general mm-hmm. yeah but what true. would you say are some of the i guess bigger differences mm, obviously like the government support including school-based support is much more potent here in mm-hmm. canada mm-hmm. inclusion act as i mentioned in ukraine was passed only five years ago and on grassroots level it has received much resistance oh wow um and still remains hard, like a long paper to a large extent, mm-hmm. I would say. But at the same time, like the specialists that work with kids with uh, Down syndrome were knowledgeable and profoundly trained and highly motivated. Mm-hmm. I, I speak about private sector, of course. Mm-hmm. So, and that's, um, I would say that's the main difference. And people like generally are more accepting here. Mm-hmm. I would say that they hardly ever judgmental. Right. Like, like more well, open. Yeah. So when you would take Mia out, and I I know the first year when I was with Ainsley, I was very hyper aware of people staring or looking. And also I had lots of my own bad experiences. But what was it like when you took her out and about? You know that's that's funny because my my mom used to say that people are staring at me at the playground, but I didn't notice that. Oh, interesting. <laughs> like I, I okay. probably I didn't pay attention and mm-hmm. I didn't care actually. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was so like, um, yeah, I didn't care about it. Mm-hmm. I just, uh, I understood that they were paying close attention because Mia didn't walk when mm-hmm. other kids were walking her age. And usually, you know, this mom talks, how old are you? How old is your kid? Uh, oh, you're like one and a half. Oh, she's not walking. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh. And <laughs> they just <laughs> yeah, went silent, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so i was like yeah she's uh yeah she she needs extra time yeah it takes her like yeah i mean it's extra time to learn how to do things yeah yeah or like why she cannot sit properly or why her balance is so poor yeah all of this like Mm -hmm. kids can climb the structures and slide down (laughs) the slide and we were celebrating when Mia can cross like her middle line of the body. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this is like weird. Yeah, looks from other you know, moms and dads in the playground. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, kudos to you for just not caring. I, I'm at that point now, but it did take me a while to get there. I I was just so aware of it like in the first year I noticed it a lot and then after I just like you I just stopped caring mm-hmm. because yeah I didn't really care but uh yeah it was still hard you know it was for me it was it was still hard because I could see people looking at me and then looking at Ainsley and mm-hmm. I could feel their judgment for whatever it is yeah but, uh, yeah yeah I can I can appreciate that so you know moving from Ukraine to Canada mm-hmm. is a really big move <laughs> and oh, a big man. deal. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Was one of the reasons you decided to move here because of Mia? Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. That was our number one priority and vision of what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. So we didn't really see any future after school in Ukraine for Mia. Mm-hmm because people with disabilities are not like they don't have much opportunities to work to be included in society mm-hmm. i hope that that will change and it's it started like the changes are were being implemented like since this uh inclusion law passed uh, inclusion act passed but still like it it's not going to happen in like i don't know in the nearest five ten years mm-hmm. and we don't have that much time mia is growing mia is seven now mm-hmm. so we yeah yeah that's a i mean that's a big decision to move like from your family everything you know and to move to a completely foreign country really (laughs) i mean yes you can speak the language but yeah it's still foreign because it's not what you know and kudos to you guys i think that's amazing and like so how did you i mean you moved to from Ukraine to Canada and I mean I think you hit the ground running when you got here like how how did you find it when you moved here like how was it like did you feel yes we did the right thing or like I'm sure it was scary but like how did you feel yeah Uh, we we felt lost Mm -hmm. a little bit and I like we are not moving anywhere it was hard to get access to services and Mm -hmm. we figured out that long ways 
wait times and this huge wait list. So I learned I learned this word in Canada, wait list. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like everywhere, like childcare services, uh, medical appointments. Um, it was, I think, the biggest challenge that mm-hmm. you need to wait. And also like services are rather costly here. I find them costly unless you get funding support. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I would say that in Ukraine, we could afford like more private uh, services to pay for without funding than right. they can do here. Oh yeah, I know it's it's very expensive, and I wouldn't be able to do a lot of the things yeah, I do for Ainsley sure. without without the various funding that's mm-hmm. been available to me. And so, what do you think has been your biggest challenge moving here? Would it be like just trying to I guess, navigate the, for lack of a better word, healthcare system or? Yeah, like any like um, support for me, yeah, I would mm-hmm. say. Um, yeah. It took us, I don't know, like six months to get some support, at least some support that we, and we didn't understand um, like what steps, number one, number two, number three, mm-hmm. what organizations supporting. And we spent hours on the phone calling different non-profit organizations and trying to reach out to a social worker and ministry oh man what is that childhood and family yeah <laughs> i can't yeah and uh, i can't remember what it stands for MS, yes. mfcd i think is what yes, it is yeah. yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> so that's the place that we're trying to reach out to and uh to get some information to get some information we need to find a doctor who could refer us like to a very specialist because Mia still needs like uh she's wearing glasses so mm-hmm. we need this ophthalmologist and tnt doctor because she her adenoids were removed when she was only two so me all it was it was so hard to to navigate mm-hmm. all of that i would say be, like if we didn't have kids it would be easier to adapt like for of adults course. in canada but when you have for some reason, I imagine when back in Ukraine, I imagine that's going to be so easy here. <laughs> and it's like, as soon as I arrive in the airport, it's like tons of support. Yeah. Just come like to my yeah, legs and oh, just people going to offer it by themselves. <laughs> so, I don't know. For, I, I, yeah, this is like, like childish of me and silly to, to think of that. But I don't know. I just had this image that, like, mm-hmm. you know, that of a like developed country and yeah. support that it can provide for kids with disabilities so yeah you have to like yeah. yeah yeah i think you always have to sort of i mean your situation is obviously a bit unique you come and mia is four so she's a little bit Correct. older she's technically out of early intervention because that yes. was sort of how like that's how i got started on the road right because because we had an awesome support worker. She just knew everybody mm. and mm-hmm. was really well connected. So, mm-hmm. and then, you know, we could make the leap after three, but uh, yeah, but like you, I was, I was still pretty lost too. And, you know, because I didn't know anything about down syndrome when it like, you know, mm-hmm. I had a time to prepare to some degree because mm-hmm. I knew before she was born, but you don't really think about all the therapies and, and all the things that, it, you know, that your child necessarily needs at that time oh yes definitely (laughs) yeah you cannot yeah i was imagining also like yeah i i knew that people with down syndrome has difficulties with speech and communication Mm -hmm. but of course that's not my me (laughs) 
Oh yeah, I was like oh yeah, but but he's different, you know, because it's my child, and then yeah. she doesn't like yep. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> oh my gosh, and like you said, I think we connected. Like I think you'd been here what all of a month when we met at the Upside Down Play Group, yes, and I was correct. stunned when you said you'd only been here for that short time, and I, I thought wow you're doing amazing like to get out and you know trying to marry (laughs) well you know it's i think it's pretty daunting you're in a new country you know trying to just culturally learn the ropes of the new country you have a young child and and then add on like a child with a disability like that is a lot to take on but i mean you guys were there you you were like and I, I, cause I saw you at your name come like in our different local groups and stuff, you know, and you were just in there, like you, you know, you just got in there and did what you needed to do and started meeting people. And, you know, cause I think I referred you to our physio Brenda, and, you know, so yes, and we're thankful for that. Yes. It's me still having her, uh, swimming pool physio, mm-hmm. uh, these days. And yeah, like, except that's when COVID hit, it's all stopped. And right. That's another challenging period of our life <laughs> oh, and everyone's I know I yes. know right oh yes so yeah like you moved here and like like not even a year later the pandemic hits but what do you think has been your biggest challenge moving here you mean like when we already moved or well, like in first... terms of getting uh, to Canada like immigration process that's what you're asking no like once you were actually in Canada mm-hmm. what what do you think was your biggest challenge was it just like culturally or like I don't know like what's I don't know I mean I lived in a, in Japan for a couple of years mm-hmm. uh you know and it was hard because it's total that's a totally different culture than Canada but you know, my situation was much different, you know, I was young and I went there to work, et cetera, mm-hmm. but you're coming with a family, you know, a child with some extra needs and, you know, and I, I'm pretty sure that culturally Canada and Ukraine are quite different, I'm assuming. And I mean, oh, yeah. you could speak to that, but so would it be like you don't have any support here you don't have family just trying to navigate like the canadian way i don't know what do you think yes all of that um i think that like because we had some expectations concerning me as future here Mm -hmm. so and when i encountered reality that we need to wait Mm -hmm. like for for all services to get to access to access them so that was i think the main the main discouraging events mm-hmm. like we personally i was not ready for that and we also didn't have like any connections here right. so our like play um play group that was yeah. one of the first like community <laughs> socializing event that we were part of mm-hmm. um so it was pretty lonely back then well i can imagine and then like what eight months later or so COVID hits Mm -hmm. and I found it isolating I can't imagine how you guys found it like especially since not having any extended family here Mm -hmm. like how how was that for you guys I I mean oh man that was so hard oh 
it was yeah we were lost and we also like didn't have time to develop any social connections yet mm -hmm. and then it's like uh okay you cannot see anyone you need to, to keep the distance and although everything was closed like i remember that the most horrible thing that happened that could happen that's closure of uh playgrounds yes yeah. and mia loves playgrounds she needs swings because she's sensory seeking child mm -hmm. she needs mm -hmm. all of this uh climbing structures and we, i remember i was like we were just staying at home in our backyard just staring on the fans uh because like what's now i mean how yeah. can i develop like help and support my kid now we cannot even like i remember the government didn't even encourage to walk <laughs> down the yeah. streets i mean to, to, in 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 the area so just stay at home and i i i developed severe depression within the first three months of lockdown i bet and i realized something was wrong and i reached out to susan in uh, diasrba mm -hmm. Yeah, Susan and Fawcett. We've had her yes, on several times. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I so I'm so thankful for her mm -hmm. because she helped me to get better. Oh, she, yeah. She was supporting me like I would say for six months. That's so wonderful. And reaching to hear. out to me and yeah. yeah, because she sent me some questionnaires and mm -hmm. I sent them back. Mm -hmm. And she contacted me immediately and said, "Daria, you we need." To to work because you need support you need mm -hmm. help and i was yeah. like yes susan i need help i realized oh. that i need help because i cannot do that i was not able to wow my gosh so and i remember back then thinking this is so hard you know because i was working ainsley we were it was half online and in school because i was a first responder so I thought it was hard. Yours was like a hundred times harder. Like, and I think for a lot of people, they can, you know, really appreciate like, not that it COVID has been easy for anyone, but for people like yourselves, new to the country, you don't really have, like you said, you didn't have a lot of time to create your social network. Mm -hmm. And then we're in lockdown and I, wow. And now you're dealing with what's going on in your homeland. Like, I mean, I, this has been a challenging yeah, time. It's been hard for three years for us. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But I, at the same time, we're thankful for many opportunities. Mm -hmm. Like Mia went to school and mm -hmm. school support is better here. Awesome. Much better than in Ukraine. So she's seen specialists. She has EA, she has uh, mm -hmm. individual education plan and all of the things that support her and help her to grow as an individual, like academically too. Mm -hmm. So we're very thankful for that. That's sure. wonderful. So like in Ukraine, would kids with Down syndrome, would they go to school or would they get they support at school? Or? Special school, specialized okay. schools, okay. segregated schools. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's why there's a lot of opposition to mm -hmm. this inclusion act that was passed because many many people and parents do not want to see kids with disabilities nearby <laughs> that their kids are like the explanation is that their kids will get more stupid 
Wow. Yeah, and they will learn wrong things from wow. kids with disabilities. Yeah. That's really so heartbreaking. There That's... is like there is a battle still. And yeah. parents are still fighting, fighting and fighting for the uh, kids' rights mm -hmm. to have education. Wow. Well, that's like, that's how it used to be here, right? Mm -hmm. Parents mm -hmm. didn't want their kids in the same classes, like just like, I'm sure for the same reasons that you said, because they, you know, didn't want to learn things that, you know, our kids were doing or, or what have you, or the silly things that they're thinking would happen, you know, but really what it, what inclusion has shown is that it creates better people. Like, you know, you're more empathetic, you more accepting, you know, and when kids are, I think are introduced to differences early on, it just becomes no big deal. You know? Yeah, exactly. Right? I mean, just the idea that everybody's different and they have right to be different. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter like your color of the skin, you're wearing glasses, braces, I don't know, your hairstyle and all of that. Because like if you do not accept kids who are like not as smart as you are, let's say mm -hmm. so. Yes, yeah, so then you will not be able to accept kids who has different hair color or who are wearing, I don't know, like glasses or anything to like to have this ability to accept people the way they are. That's the way it should be. Mm -hmm. regardless mm -hmm. of their origin or I don't know medical disorders or whatever yeah yeah oh my gosh so we've kind of been coming out of the pandemic now mm -hmm. kind of getting back to yeah. hopefully our new normal and I know that you're now currently looking into getting me assessed for autism would that have even been a possibility in Ukraine? I mean, I know it's challenging here at the best of times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, in Ukraine, that is a difficult question mm -hmm. because funding is available to individuals who are diagnosed by governmental medical institution specialists, not private ones. Mm, okay. And unfortunately, the level of expertise in autism assessment and interventions at public medical institutions leaves much to be desired. Mm. So in terms of autism and support and ABA therapy, Ukraine is far, far behind. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm glad that you're here and that you're able Thank to you get, you're welcome. And that you're able to get me the necessary supports i mean i'm canadian so of course i think this is the best country in the world but you know it's uh, i like just with everything i know now with having a child with a disability i can't really imagine living really elsewhere and you know and i feel very fortunate to live in canada and but even though we we still have our challenges we still have a long way to go you know obviously but uh yeah, but very like, different from Ukraine. Yeah, or I'm yeah, sure Canada could... started earlier. Canada started like mid '90s. Yeah, that's where the um, segregated schools were abolished. Yeah, I, I believe um, I 1995. I think 1995, where um, 
like that doesn't seem to me even that long ago because I mean, yes, it, Ron yeah, and I have talked course. about it, but we never saw kids with Down syndrome in our schools. Mm -hmm. I, but I do recall kids with other differences. Like, I don't know what they were. Like, I'm sure there was kids with autism there, but mm -hmm. they didn't have that so-called label. And they, I don't think they even really had the proper support because you know, if people even knew what it was or the proper assessment tools back then, I, I mean, I really have no idea, but I mean, even mid nineties, that doesn't, it's really not that long ago, really. Oh yeah. And, it's just, yeah. You know, it's it's like, just, like 20, 27 years ago yeah. or something like, so, but still like you, you had like Canada had this 27 mm -hmm. years and Ukraine just had That's five. five. Yeah. So, so it's like, who long way to go and to improve. Mm -hmm. And, but I think that Canada is moving in the right direction. From yeah, I agree. What I, I mean, see. Yeah. I always look at parents of older kids because they've really mm -hmm, paved the way, mm -hmm. you know, yep. and you know, we have social media now, whereas uh, these parents didn't have this when their kids were young. So, you know, it had to have been like that much harder to find information, to connect with other families, to, to make those connections. And, you know, so now I'm like, I feel fortunate in that way that we're able to connect with easily so many people around the world oh, like yeah. you said you were googling and going online and searching oh like, yeah definitely you know? definitely yeah yeah thanks god to to the internet and development of the technologies yeah so i'm like grateful for that because it's also enabled me to meet people like from all over the world like to, mm -hmm. you know who have this expertise in various things about down syndrome so which you know maybe 20 years ago 30 wouldn't have that opportunity so, but, you know, you've been in Canada for almost three years. Is that right? Yes, almost. Yes. Yeah. It's going to be three years in August. Yeah. In August. So what do you, what do you miss about Ukraine? I mean, other than your family, I'm sure. Uh, yes, for sure. That was my, like, I would say number one, that's family and friends. And number two is food. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if that would be one of the answers. Yes, definitely. <laughs> I miss miss Ukrainian for the Lord. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, and I know uh, through my friend Mary, and we like to call her Mary too. Uh, you've met her, and uh, that there is quite a little community community of Ukrainians and Russians living here, which I mm -hmm. think is awesome. And she would always run into them at, at the park, you know, so, so I hope, you know, you've been able to connect with some of them. It seems like in the area where I used to live, which isn't far from where I currently live now, there was like a little community in that area. And, uh, you know, like I was surprised. I would always hear people speaking. I, I mean, I can't tell the difference between Ukrainian and Russian, but I could, I would, I could tell it was one of those languages at the park all the time. Mm -hmm. So, so I, I'm hoping that you're, able to find a few people uh yes yes we're in contact with a couple of families from ukraine usually they're like young families because mm -hmm. like to be able to immigrate to canada you mm -hmm. should be relatively young to get pr and meet other requirements so yeah none of them of course <laughs> have kids with disabilities mm -hmm. so that's is making things harder mm -hmm. like most of them are accepting like understanding and oh wonderful okay Yes, but like because of COVID, once again, we didn't have this opportunity like to socialize and looking for new connections and um, ties. And now when like 
when the war started. Mm -hmm. That's when Ukrainian community went together to help and support. So I would say for this two months since February 24th, when Russia invaded Ukraine. Um, so I think that I met most of Ukrainians this time, just for the for the last two months. Oh, wow. Yes, I guess so. Right. And yeah. Yeah, because you need I think you need that those people like I think you need I always say your people, right? Like meaning you need yeah. people of your, you know, your culture at this time, you know, especially being so far away from your homeland, you know, because that's what a challenging time. So you have your 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 parents are there and and do you have siblings still in Ukraine or? Yes, yes. I have an older brother and his family. I have also a niece and nephew and they are in Kiev too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when um, when war started, I offered uh, my brother so he, like his family can come because he can cross the border because of martial law. Yeah. So all men should stay inside the country; they cannot uh, leave the country. Mm -hmm. But like his wife, my sister-in-law, and my niece and nephews, I invited them to like to seek refuge here because it's really dangerous in Ukraine, but they refuse to go. <laughs> wow. It's really hard for them. I mean, not many people want to immigrate. Not many people are ready for that. And especially mm -hmm. when it's so unexpected mm -hmm. and you just, yeah, just leaving everything behind. I know. I can't imagine. And people, yeah, yeah are losing everything as well. And Oh yes. Oh yes. You know, yeah. how, how just... hard is that? Very challenging, but I think it is a testament to their love of their country and their bravery for choosing to stay during such a time that they could have easily left. And I think it's a testament to the strength of your people and you know, we're, we're all standing behind Ukraine and I really hope this can be resolved in the best way possible as soon yeah. as possible, as I'm sure you hope as well. Yes, for sure. Like we're very thankful for Canadian support and mm -hmm. all this money that government uh, released to support Ukraine and also like military support because Ukraine needs a lot of that. So if people Ukraine want to support, what would you suggest is the best way like to support Ukraine. Uh, we have like a couple of main, um, I'll say, streams that uh, people here, our community in Ukraine, uh, donate uh, to that to support our militaries. So, mm -hmm. like, would say non-lethal mm -hmm. um, ammunition mm -hmm. to provide to donate for that, and then volunteers in Poland buy all of that and then mm -hmm. uh, deliver to Ukraine. And the second uh, stream is to help refugees and to send money for humanitarian needs, like to provide necessary clothing and uh, food and water to people who stayed in Ukraine mm -hmm. in the areas that's where the military actions are taking place. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I'm sure we'll be able to, I'm sure Ron will be able to dig up some links and we'll, we'll, we'll attach it to the yeah, show notes. Yeah. yeah, for, for sure. sure like, mm -hmm. That's wonderful. Well, Daria, thank you so much for sharing your story. I mean, especially during these really challenging times for you and your family back in Ukraine. 
but I really appreciate you telling us what it's like to raise a child who has some differences in a different country and, and what it's like to start a new in a new country. Yeah, thank you, Mary, for having me here. My pleasure was to share my experience. You're very welcome. Mary, I am in somewhat of a shock uh, mm -hmm. at what that doctor said about just leaving the baby behind. Like, literally, how can one human being say that? I know. I was just so heartbroken when I heard about Daria's birth experience, how horrible it, it must have been for her and overwhelming. I It's tragic, really. And you don't wish that on anyone. Especially a baby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the, I, I recognize there are certain harsh realities in life, but you don't, like, just a defenseless baby just leave it behind and walk away? I know. And the doctor referring to Mia as it. Like, that's just yeah, that's horrible. Like, sorry. <laughs> I know. I try to be objective, but leaving a, telling somebody to just leave the baby behind, that's just mm -hmm. terrible. Um, so, I mean, and, and, you know, kudos to, 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 um, Daria and her husband and, and, and Mia for being able to find uh, a place of safety and support here. Mm -hmm. I'm really, I'm really happy for them. You know, when I hooked her up with our, our awesome physio, Brenda. <laughs> and it's fun. Yeah. So do we have any, uh, any idea of where we're going in our next show? Yes. Or are we going to make it a surprise? Oh, why don't we just make it a surprise? Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I'll look forward to meeting up with you to pick up those cookies. Okie doke. Um, at some point. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to point out that I was, I was at the grocery store this morning. And I'm pretty sure you're going to have to raise your prices because <laughs> I paid $9 for a pound of butter at Superstore. That's far too much. <laughs> Costco's it's, my friend. <laughs> it's outrageous. It is. So right now. yeah, I think I got a Costco run in my future. Okay. <laughs> All right. So why don't you take us out of this one and we'll talk to you next time. Alrighty. Thanks for listening to the T21 Mom podcast. I would love to hear from you. Tell me your stories. What's going on in your life? What's important to you? You can drop us a line or at our email at info at t21mom.com. Or find me on Facebook. I'm also on Instagram and Twitter at Trisomy21Mama. It would also mean a lot if you would subscribe and leave a little review. And we'll read it out on the show. Thanks for listening. And keep on loving on your rocking kiddos. And we'll see you next time. See you, Mary. Bye, Ron. Bye.